Welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Bible Class Podcast entitled D6. This is the eighth lesson of the quarter, and we will be focusing on Exodus 14, verses 1 to 31. As you recall, D6 refers to Deuteronomy 6 that instructs us to pass along God's instructions to our children and their children. My name is Jeremy Poole, and for those of you who don't know me, I have three children, ages 7, 10, and 12. I've enjoyed going through this D6 study as a family and the opportunity it has provided for us to all be reading the same things from our Bible on a daily basis. Oftentimes, we will read the passage for the day and a thought that goes along with it at our main meal. Whether you have children in your home or not, I encourage you to daily spend time in God's Word and find someone to reflect with on the passages you read. Throughout the Bible, we see many different examples of seemingly impossible situations in which God demonstrated his mighty power and divine foresight. Just this past week, I was reading in 1 Kings chapter 20 about how King Ahab, one of the worst kings in Israel's history, faced a massive Aramean army led by King Ben-Hadad. This seemed like an impossible situation for Ahab, and despite Ahab's lack of trust and obedience to God, God defeated the Aramean army just to prove that he was the one true God. There are also numerous other examples of impossible situations, such as the creation, the fall of man, the flood, the raising of Lazarus, or the feeding of 5,000. God's word shows us over and over how the things that are impossible to us are possible with God. Last week's podcast from Exodus chapter 12 talked about the Passover and its reminder of God's saving grace and redemptive power. God delivered the Israelites from the impossible situation of slavery. Today, we will see how God continued to demonstrate his mighty power to deliver the Israelites from another impossible situation. After Pharaoh finally sent the Israelites away, the Lord did not lead them straight to the promised land. This would have led the Israelites through Philistine territory. Instead, the Lord led them through the wilderness toward the Red Sea, guiding them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Let's read from Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 1. I'll be using the New Living Translation. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pihahirath between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think, The Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. But once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. I have always found these first few verses of chapter 14 a little humorous. It sounds like God is taunting Pharaoh. In reality, though, I believe that God is testing Pharaoh to see if he had learned his lesson that the Lord is more powerful than he is. Uh, Picking up in verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. 
the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pihahiris, across from Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Let's pause there for a second. There's just a, a couple of things I wanted to point out in these verses here. The first thing that struck me was in verse 8, where it mentioned that the Israelites marched out with fists raised in defiance. Other translations use the term marched out boldly. It is clear that at the time they marched out of Egypt, the Israelites were convinced that Pharaoh's power was not to be feared, for the Lord was with them and would deliver them. Just a few verses later, however, in verse 11, the Israelites are quaking in fear and asking Moses why he forced them to leave Egypt. This sudden change in heart and boldness is amazing. Would the Israelites truly have desired to remain as slaves and bondage to Pharaoh? Would they rather live in a land that did not worship the Lord, but had numerous gods? Did they want to continue watching their babies being drowned? Their change in heart does not seem rational. But do we do the same thing at times? Have you ever questioned God's direction in your life for the circumstances you have been placed in? I know I have. How did you respond? Did you willingly submit to God's direction? Hopefully you are now able to see how God was glorified and his power was made known through that situation. For the Israelites, remember from verse 4 that God had bigger plans for this situation. His plan was to display his glory and to make it perfectly clear that he was the Lord. I believe that God has similar plans for us. God wants his power and glory to be made evident in the challenging situation he carries us through. The second thing that jumped out at me in this first part of chapter 14 was the fact that Pharaoh had still not learned his lesson. Even after the plagues had decimated the land of Egypt, Pharaoh still did not believe that the Lord was with the Israelites and protecting them. I do not know what was going through Pharaoh's mind when he made the decision to pursue the Israelites, but I can understand some of his desire to remain, retain the Israelites as slaves. Numbers chapter 1, the number of Israelite men was a little over 600,000. To lose this size of a workforce would have been a devastating blow to Pharaoh. Seeing the people apparently wandering around the wilderness, not knowing where to go, he could have concluded that the Lord was no longer assisting the people of Israel. Whatever the reasons, we also know that the Lord hardened the Pharaoh's heart in verse 8. I have struggled a little with this phrase and the idea that it was not Pharaoh's choice to pursue the Israelites, but that God forced Pharaoh down this path. I do not have time to go into this discussion in depth, 
But if you are interested in digging deeper, there are several commentaries that discuss this in greater detail. What I have gleaned, however, is that the heart is typically a reference to the intellectual, moral, and spiritual center of a person. A hardened heart, therefore, would mean that a person has chosen his center and is no longer able to move from that disposition. It is clear that long before Moses appeared on the scene, Pharaoh had made the intellectual, moral, and spiritual choice to suppress the Israelites by placing them in slavery, killing their children, and preventing them from worshiping the Lord freely. Without changing his heart or inmost core, Pharaoh would continue to choose to suppress the Israelites. God placed many different situations before Pharaoh where Pharaoh could have chosen to move his heart or or his center or to keep it where it was at. But he chose to harden his heart, and he did not move, and so his heart was hardened. Going back to today's passage, we left off with the Israelites panicking and claiming they wished they had been left in slavery in Egypt, rather than be in their impossible situation of being stuck between the Red Sea on one side and the large Egyptian army on the other. I know that as the Israelites continue to disbelieve God's protection and his role in their lives, Moses gets frustrated and angry with the people. But at this point in their journey together, Moses responds much differently. We pick up with Moses' response to the people to just be calm and to watch what the Lord will do. Reading in verse 13 of chapter 14. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood beside, behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. 
The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Wow, this is an amazing example of God's mighty power working to help his people through an impossible situation. There are some who have tried to explain away the Red Sea crossing, saying that it could have happened possibly with natural wind and that there was just a narrow part of the sea that they were going to cross and it was quite shallow and that a, a, a natural wind could have come and blown the water to one side. This type of explanation, however, doesn't really match up with the account we just read. First, it says the water formed walls on either side of the dry ground. The water was not simply pushed to one side. It was piled up on either side. There was a lot of water here. It formed walls. Second, the ground was dry. Even if a wind had blown the water to the side, the ground would still be soggy and wet, not dry. This was obviously a divine wind that had caused the ground to dry after the water had been parted. And third, this, this must have been a very large path that was opened up, um, a very wide expanse of the sea. With the 600,000 men in the Israelite community that we talked about early, earlier, there was probably around 1-2 million people that crossed over during the night. They did this in a single file line or a narrow opening. It would have taken much longer than a single night to cross. And if that's not enough, we read in Psalms 77, verses 16 through 19, When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. And then in Exodus 14, verse 25, the Lord twisted the chariot wheels such that they were difficult to drive. It is no wonder that the Egyptian army was in total confusion. Clearly, God's hand was at work to help the Israelites cross the Red Sea, and it cannot be explained away. No person could claim to have saved the Israelites. No one could explain what just happened without attributing it to the Lord. God demonstrated his power over nature and reminded everyone who witnessed this that he created all things and he continues to maintain control over all of his creation. This is exactly what the Lord said would happen at the beginning of the chapter in verse 4. In addition to that, the Israelites at the end of this chapter put their faith back into the Lord and into Moses. Although we won't read it right now, chapter 15 continues the response to this mighty demonstration of God's power with a couple of recorded songs written by Moses and Miriam, praising God for his deliverance. Now, as we begin to, to wrap up, 
I ask you to think through the difficult situations that you are facing. How are you responding in these situations? Are you responding as the Israelites did, questioning why you have been put in such a situation? Or are you responding with calm assurance, knowing God is more than able to get you through your difficult situation? We each face different circumstances, but we all serve the same God who is bigger and more powerful than any challenging situation we may face. I challenge you to look for ways that God can be glorified through your unique challenge. I also encourage you to reach out to others at Southwest and to look for ways to be God's instrument by helping them through their challenges. God's Word is full of passages to encourage you in these times of difficulty, but I wanted to leave you with a few of them today. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Psalm 46, verse 1 states, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Psalm 9.9, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And then in Mark chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Hebrews 12 Verses 1 through 3 states, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people, from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And finally, I'll conclude with Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for your amazing power, your deliverance from difficult situations. I pray that we will always be mindful that you are with us and that you are more powerful than anything we might face, that we will trust in you and we will remain calm knowing that you are our Savior, you are our Lord, and that your divine glory will be made known to all. And we just pray that you will use us and that you will work through us to reach those that are around us and to demonstrate your power and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this Southwest Church of Christ Adult Bible Class podcast. Please remember that we meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 for worship at 9725 Southwest Durham Road in Tigard, Oregon. You can also visit our website, swest.org, for additional information. The Lord bless you and keep you.